It's like Park Avenue and it becomes Park Avenue South. <laughs> this is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 34, with special guest Nick Craver. Hello. Hello. And uh, Nick Craver is a, uh, one of the developers. Uh, on so Nick, have you ever been on the podcast before? Uh, I don't believe so. No. Really? This might be, Okay, so this is his first time on the Stack Exchange or the Stack Overflow podcast. Even like at, at Mix when we had like everybody. Now maybe that was just me and Jeff. All right. Uh, Kyle Brandt. Hello. Kyle is our uh, systems engineer. Calling us. I, I like to imagine that you're in Boston, although I know that you're not. Yeah, I moved you, to Florida. You moved, but it makes no difference to me. You're just a you're just a, a voice in, you in have the to headphones. Imagine him from... on the beach now, because his house is right yeah, on the he's beach. Probably, he's probably on his porch talking on his laptop right he now. He doesn't I don't I don't think he works anymore. He that, just he just goes to the beach. That reminds me why it's a good thing to work for, for Stack Overflow. And we are hiring actually. So if you live by the beach or if you want to move to the beach, you can work for us. Just apply for a job. You will have to do a lot of work. And yeah, it's I do work. So. And we'll be talking about all that work that you did in a moment. Um, also, here, as usual, uh, our regular host, David Fullerton. Yo. VP Engineering. And Jay Hanlon. Yo. VP of Growth. I like the yo. Did I get, did I get it right? Sounded good when David did it. <laughs> it didn't. You can't steal my line. When you did it, it came out sort of. Anyway, I won't, I won't taunt you further. All right. On the agenda, Quancast. Like literally five minutes before the podcast, uh, we noticed that Quantcast, which uh, measures uh, how much traffic we have, they actually measure it directly. There's a little uh, image bug on every single page on the entire Stack Exchange um, that goes back to Quantcast and tells them when we're getting a page view. And um, they're now ranking us at 100. So we are for the first time in the top 100. Woohoo! Yay! Man. Because um, it's a major milestone. You know, when we first met, we got the whole company together for the very first time in New York um, to sort of organize the company. And that was before pretty much anyone here was there except for David. There. David was there. Um, and uh, and we said, let's set a big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, that's a concept from some business book you can buy in an airport. Uh, B-H-H-E. <laughs> and, it, and it's like a crazy, audacious, ridiculously uh, uh, ambitious goal uh, that you set for the company. And our big, hairy, audacious goal was to be a top 50 site. Yeah. Which I think shows that we we're lacking in imagination because here we are at top 100. So all we have to do, we're basically done. Is have that. We've been going twice as fast as we should be. We we went really fast. I was just looking. It was the last. I mean, the last time I did a board report, which was like three weeks ago, it was 113. So um, we are steaming ahead. Yeah, it's the fall growth season. Um, okay, and check out the segue. If if all that additional traffic should cause our data center in New York to go down or collapse, <laughs> <laughs> what what would happen then, Kyle Brandt? Uh, well, we've been working on failing over to our other data center in Corvallis. Um, That's a great main, coincidence. <laughs> the main reason what's what's motivated this is we're moving our New York data center to in a few weeks because our current provider no longer has room for our growth. I know it's so. very embarrassing. They they started out with a big empty room, and they gave me a free server for Jolin Software, and then um, now they're full and they've expanded, and uh, uh, they no longer have room for us to expand. and And it's kind of getting to be a pain for both for Stack Exchange and for Fog Creek because n neither of us have room to put more stuff in that we have bought. That we want to rack up. Yep. So we're moving okay. uh, to the Google building. So we have to fail over unless we want to be down for the whole weekend we move. So we did our last test um, this past weekend, and it went well. We're Stack Overflow, and the Stack Exchange Network ran out of 
Oregon for a couple of hours. Okay, wait, that's way not enough detail because our listeners are going to want all the unbelievable, unbelievably boring detail, um, which is why you're here. Um, so my idea of just taking the servers and putting them on one of those little rolling racks, like a like a like a concierge, you like a like a bellboy uses a bellhop in a hotel. Bellhop? What's a bellboy then? Okay, uh, yeah, no, you're bellhop. it's bellhop and busboy. I think you're confusing. <laughs> there you go. I got. And, and what's a go-go dancer? All right, never mind. Very same, different. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> so a bellhop. We get one of those bellhop carts. And put the servers You're on that. You're mistreating busboys and bellboys. Along with uh, several UPSs and a MiFi. Could we use that to stay online while we roll the servers uptown 50 blocks? You, you know, you joked, but we've discussed this. And uh, we think we could if we bonded four MiFis together. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it for about 45 minutes if we got some really expensive UPSs. <laughs> it's a lot of weight. Uh... Weight would probably become one of the hardest problems. Plus, we don't know how MiFi's work on the subway, so I guess you'd have to... No, just we'd just roll, roll it up the street. Yeah, we'd, we'd have to walk it up the street. Yeah. Eh. But what you do is you put it all on, like, a big furniture dolly and then just, like, tie it to the back of the cab. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, awesome. Uh, mm, or, yeah. Or, or you could borrow an elephant. But instead of doing that, we decided on an even better plan. <laughs> <laughs> that seems hard to believe. That- <laughs> which was hey we've we've still got this, or, this data center in oregon that we've been using for some stuff uh it's where stack overflow started right yeah back just because it's right next to jeff Douglas's mm-hmm. house because right? it's right next to jeff Douglas's. well it's like a half hour drive for him but still convenient. no no that's it's like a mile oh yeah, is it? yeah it's, it's yeah. only like five it's right minutes there five minutes away I'm, i didn't even know and that's really you know how oregon is that's really like the next thing in oregon like there's just there'll be a house and then there'll just be like rattlesnakes and desert and stuff and then there'll be a data center and then rattlesnakes for another five minutes and then probably a seven eleven or something. Yeah. So we've got this this data center in Oregon and we were like, hey, we should we should use it. All right. So here's my first question. How the how the heck do you I thought this was gonna be a read only failover that we were somehow gonna have like a static copy of Stack Exchange running. Okay, so what we did in a couple, uh, there's, I, I really should do a blog post of all the dependencies you find when you move this one thing and go, oh, you need 20 more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first step was getting the data out there. So that necessitated mirroring all our databases out there, not real time, but, you know, a couple seconds behind. And uh, SQL 2008, you can't do that. It blows up after like 10 or 20, and we've got a lot of sites, and each one has a DB. So, so wait, uh, SQL 2008 blows up. if you. This is just SQL Server mirroring where you just tell it? Correct. And There's is that, something in, is that like mirror, log shipping, essentially? Uh, no, mirroring is different than log shipping, but in either case, log shipping, or we're shipping a lot of files, which is just kind of too much for SO. Or uh, the mirroring, just for some reason in the scheduler internally, 2008, after like 15 or 20 databases, it just locks up and dies. <laughs> and they just say, don't do that. Um, which is why 2012, the really big uh, change is availability groups. So we can replicate uh, both to New York we have a, a backup hot server ready all the time. We can fail over to it to do patching. We've done this transparently without anybody noticing, or we're down for five or 10 seconds while it happens. Uh, but we also mirrored Oregon now. So at any time, Oregon's read only about two seconds behind uh, New York. So, those so this is something, this is entirely done by SQL Server. There's no code, there's no application level code to do this. Um, so to go with that, there is application level code in terms of uh, like, Oregon's hot now, for example. So I build an app code to 
look at the database and say, are we read-only? And if that's the case, then the sites kick themselves into read-only mode. They disable you from logging in. Developers mm. are still logged in. Mm. Uh, you can't post questions. You'll see the site, like, ask question will fade out. And if you click it, you'll get an explanation, hey, this is down while this is read-only. So there's that a configuration setting that you, you got to turn on manually? Uh, no, it detects it itself. The oh, first okay. time we try to write to a database and the database says no, then oh. the app detects it and kind of oh, kicks cool. the network into so, read-only. So basically the state that we are read-only comes from the fact that the database is read-only. Correct. Uh, we don't have to worry about how to propagate that state either. It's just it's just automatic. Oh, that's right. really cool. Um, now, uh, developers, and this is intentional, we have to bring it out of read-only. We don't want to we sure. don't want that automatic. But, um, uh, and that's because we may have failed over uh, in desperation, and we may not actually want to stay failed over. We may want to come back, and, and we know we may know we're coming back in five minutes. Correct. So the scenarios we're looking at for Oregon are, are if New York gets hit by a meteor, that's, I don't know why that's the analogy, but that's what always we discuss. Well, it's because getting but, hit by a bus wouldn't do very much. Well, actually, I mean, the data center, <laughs> New York does get hit by things. <laughs> Okay, so if you get by like an eight-story bus. Actually, the, uh, <laughs> the much greater danger was the what the hurricane last year when yeah, we realized that our data center downtown was within the like, yeah, category well, the category the yeah. first there was flood an actual, zone. Yeah, there was an actual category. It was category one when it hit Manhattan. Yeah, uh, well, they had like a map with flood zones. Turned out not to be so bad. We, we stayed we were in, in the, the worst one. Jared actually walked walked the dog at at, at the exact moment that the the hurricane was hitting Manhattan because the dog just really needed a walk. And he went out there, and there were a lot of people. <laughs> that was a perfectly good explanation. <laughs> well, oh. he's not going to pee in the house. I mean, he just, you know, he needs a chance he, to go to the bathroom. He probably would. He's a dog. We had, you know, we had very carefully. Anyway. Uh, uh, it's just a little cat one. No big deal. Um, what were we talking about? And we had, of course, we had 9-11. That was also in downtown Manhattan where our data center is. So there are things that could cause us not to be able to get to our data center for an extended period of time, even if it wasn't actually destroyed. Right. It might be off. Or it might not be able to get... Uh, they're, they're, I think they have a problem at this data center, Pier 1, that they can only have three days of diesel fuel for their generators. Some, there's some limit in the amount of diesel fuel they can physically get into the space. Well, um, we can also like only fill our racks halfway because they can't give us enough power. Right. That's, they're, they're that's a general. Power. That's a general problem with just there's not enough Con Edison hasn't brought them enough electricity. What? No, they have enough building power. They just don't have enough generator capacity, and oh. they can't span past that. And that's heat evacuation too, right? Oh, I a lot of it that. is cooling too. So they have all this heat, and when yeah. you start powering more servers, it means more heat in that amount of space, and they need the power and ability to get that heat out. That's I funny. think that was where their bottleneck was. We're never. Does anybody? Is any? You know, I keep reading about how Facebook and Google just run their servers at 90 degrees because that's fine and they have um you know like they have like water water stacks or something so that the, they don't really need um heavy central air conditioning uh we can do that our new servers the dell 12th generation the r 620s and 720s we have actually run at like 100 degrees no problem but yeah. everyone else there not so much right so that's what i'm wondering the if there are, does if... not run at 100 degrees no problem <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a sort of an interesting thing that I guess a bunch of, you know, Earth Holtzlet, Google, and a few others just all noticed at the same time, which is like, hey, wait a minute, these servers are, are rated for, you know, battlefield conditions um, so that the Department of Defense will buy them. And, and, and it can't possibly be the case that we really have to chill all our data centers to 65 degrees. Um, and then they discovered, because they have enough servers, that, that they could kind of get it up pretty high, in, well into the balmy, balmy 80s and 90s before the failure rate went up at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but the question is if, if we're just buying data centers, like we don't build our own data centers, 
Is there ever going to be a data center that takes advantage of that? Or uh, is this only something that Google and Facebook who build their own data centers can get? I would think it would only be Google and Facebook because there's kind of no, there's not enough pressure because basically you figure um, right. it's not going to save me any money because I'm paying a fixed rate. And also it's not comfortable to work in those conditions. That's true. They so, have to work in <laughs> but Google, they pretty are... much have to work in, in Speedos. Most humans don't like 100 degrees. You should see, that's yes. the cold aisle too. You should see yeah. the hot aisle. Yeah, it's like 80 in the cold aisle and 120 in the hot aisle, which averages to 100. Envisioning these interns sitting on 100-degree servers, yeah. sweat running down their face. That's, a, that's an MTV reality show right there. They love it. In my server? No, they always, the MTV reality shows, they always, they always get these really, you know, you know, they get characters with good bodies and then jack up the temperature. And they're like, oh, sorry, it's the lights. There was no option. It's just going to have to be 90 degrees here in the middle of the winter in Jersey Shore. Good news. There's a collective shower you can use if things get too hot. <laughs> uh, this is, see, this is a strange uh, turn. The real world. So, the, Jersey Shore. Can we talk about the situation? Even somebody, center. if you want to, listen, if you're, a da- if you're in the data center business, you could make a data center and just say, you know, we don't air condition that much. And there's a discount if you use the not air conditioned dial. Yeah, I could actually picture that happening if it was a new startup, just because yeah. new servers tolerate that from all the vendors. Yeah. Even the old servers would tolerate a lot more than they're getting. You know, they would tolerate 80 degrees easily. Uh, they're pretty good. The, the hard drive failure rate's the main concern. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how bad it is. I think Google did a study where they indexed all of their hard drives, and they found that temperature had nothing to do. The single predictor of hard drive failure was age for them, the only consistent predictor of it. Mm-hmm. Like light bulbs. If, yeah. If, if you didn't see on Reddit the other day, go to... Look up Google, google.com slash data centers, I believe it is. They took pictures inside just yesterday. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. really need to see if you haven't looked at it. It's data center porn, as, it is, as, as this is often yeah. described. One of the interesting things is when a hard drive's dead, you want data protection, they take it out and they put a pneumatic pole through it and just beat the crap out of it. So, yeah. um, <laughs> uh-huh. The SQL server fails over to... Okay, so I, I still want to think about the mechanics of the failover. So the very fact that we can fail over with and only lose you know, a second or two of transactions must mean that everything that's written in New York is then immediately tra- transmitted to Corvallis. Correct. We have async replication both to New York and to uh, Corvallis. And when we do an, a manual failover where we intend to lose zero data, then we actually synchronize them for just a second. Uh, normally, that's a big deal because every time you commit something to SQL, it has to go acknowledge it on the other one yeah. and then come back, and that's yeah. really long. So a vote right. would take five seconds. Yeah. Uh, so we only do that once we shut the floodgates. We kind of turn off the load balancers and do that, and then we quickly come out of that mode. So the uh, site's down for a few that. seconds. Correct. No, like, uh, no, not, it's not even read-only. It's just down. Yeah. it's For sanity's sake, it, it's better to have it down for about – uh, a, a minute or two rather than have it really slow for like half an hour and unknown amount of time to catch up. Okay. And then during that time, uh, we're waiting for the sync to occur, which will, which will, which is when SQL server will guarantee that Corvallis has all the, you know, every, every last transaction. Yeah. So there's two things that happen. The SQL one's actually the fastest, uh, which is weird. We didn't think about this till the last minute. Redis, our caching layer for all the web servers, uh, we, have to, we have to slave that out in Oregon. And that takes a few minutes because it's about 1.6, 1.7 gigs of data it needs to transfer, which takes about two really? and a half minutes or something. Okay, wait a minute. So Redis is a cache. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we have it set up is that Redis sits in front of our database. 
and just basically looks at the SQL string that's going across and oh, decides if no. it can... No, Redis is completely separate. <laughs> we just we store things in Redis, but if yeah. we, if it's not in Redis, often we're going to SQL for it. But it could be an API call. It could be. Oh. A, it's like go else. grab this chunk of HTML. Oh, it's not there. All right, then we'll go generate it. Oh, okay, it's not a transparent cache. Yeah. Basically. Okay, so it's not sitting in front of SQL Server necessarily. It's just another place we store things. Yes, correct. But it is a cache. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a cache and it's a me messaging mechanism. So if someone. Uh, uh, and a good example is our real-time stuff that Jeff Dalgas wrote. If you click upvote, you see the the recipient sees their rep tick up in the corner. That's mm -hmm. Redis messaging. So we use other aspects of Redis as well. Does it? But given that it's mostly a cache, why do we have to transmit it? Can't we just rebuild it on the other side? We can. Uh, Stack Overflow would be tremendously unpleasant to use while that happened. Yeah. Um, we, we're very that would take heavy. a long time. The reason we don't want to do it is the way inboxes work. We actually shove inboxes into Redis, and then every 15 minutes we go persist in the database. We don't want to lose any items. So uh, Monty, uh, Kevin Montrose, wrote us some routes the other day that we persist uh, the inboxes right before we slave over or after the slave so we don't lose any inbox information uh, in the process. Interesting. So we're actually – we've got Redis, and it's holding a gig and a half of binary blob data. Essentially, compressed, yeah. Com that we have to splurt across the country before we can wake up again in Corvallis. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if we don't want to lose any inboxes, otherwise yeah, it we would could just be a little stumbly coming up. We, we can we could probably optimize that. We haven't spent much time on it, right? We probably don't need all of that gig and a half, but no, we're we just sending everything right now. Stuff further. We could, in other words, if we wanted to, we could divide it into the stuff that we want right yeah. away to to just come online again. Yeah, and stuff that. Uh, well, we could also look into syncing it, too, like we do with SQL. Just have it be a few seconds behind. Oh. Yeah, we've considered doing that. It uses about 1.4 megabytes a second, so it's not a trivial amount of data. Just, so that, that's something we'll look that's at. That's like permanent bandwidth that we would have to buy. It's essentially we would have to... Right. 1.4 megabytes. So that, that, that's basically saying if you if you bought a T1 between us and Cornelius and maintained a 4,000-mile T1, whatever that would cost. Right. We get about 20 megabit syncing. Um, Hey, the connection itself is a little faster than that. I don't, Kyle, do you know what we actually have? It, it varies. I mean, it's it's not a dedicated VPN. As far as how much we can do or how much it's normally putting through? It normal. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at that, actually. We could. Yeah, we can get, like, I've seen up to 50 megabit to Oregon, but it is a limit, and it is third party, so it drops from time to time as well. And when right. that happens, you have to start over and resync from scratch. What? Eh. Like I said, it's about two and a half minutes, so it's not a huge deal, but it does happen. Okay, so we're doing this too. So, uh, so the sequence is we um, sh shut down the site by telling the load balancer to shut down mm -hmm. uh, in New York. Um, we tell SQL Server, please finalize any last syncs that you have to send to Corvallis, which is not very many, and it does that pretty quickly um, because mostly it's been keeping up to date. And we copy uh, the entire Redis working set. Uh, what's the word? What's the terminology? The, all the Redis databases. The, the Redis databases. So those are, do they look like files that you can copy? No, uh, this is an internal mechanism. We just log into Redis and say slave of New okay. York server, and it does the rest. We actually do this ahead of time. You don't have to do it once. It's just like SQL. It will absorb changes. Oh, neat. Okay. As it goes. Um, so, so, even, so this happens ahead of time. So how long is it actually going to take us before we're up again? In the ideal situation where things don't go wrong, if we're if we know that we're doing the failover, or if mm -hmm. it's yeah, 
like a meteor. Uh, if we know we're doing the failover, hopefully we'll, for career, we haven't done careers yet. Yeah. That's the test coming uh, the weekend after this. Uh, for the sites, uh, hopefully we can do it in as little as five minutes. About 15 is probably what it's going to be. We we had problems this last time, but I mean, that's why it's a test. Sure. We figured out what didn't work. Yeah. Uh, and the actual steps don't take that long. We've got a nice checklist now for exactly what needs to happen, and we've got some steps we can uh, eliminate and some we can make faster. So. Very cool. Now, there was something you guys did. You When you failed over, it came up in read-only mode, and later you switched it out into read-write mode. What's that about? So the, the sites are live in Oregon right now. You just don't know it. Um, it we just shut them off the load balancer. Yeah. So the sites are trying to hit a database every so often right now because our load balancer says, hey, are you alive on the web yeah. server? And that itself throws the site into read-only mode. Um, so for safety, we want to come up and read only, want to have the data. It, it's more of a customer service type issue. If you're at work searching for an SO question, we want you to be able to read as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's 99% of our traffic is people reading things. Absolutely. So uh, like when the network came over, uh, Stack Overflow and the central database we call Sites, which is a very confusing name, go with <laughs> it. Uh, we <laughs> fail those over as one unit. It's that's even more the, confusing because it's with the letter C. <laughs> We should start like calling our sites the central database. <laughs> so we fill those over together. So we get SO up really fast. Uh, and then the rest of the network is a separate group. And the main failover time for SQL 2012 is number of databases. Um, okay. We've had issues with this, and we've been working with Microsoft on it. Uh, it's a background networking issue. But uh, once we figured out what that issue was this weekend, we failed over in about 10 seconds before we were timing out five minutes at a time. And that was just kind of frustrating. Mm -hmm. But I'll follow up with them on that. So anyway, so we come up in read-only mode. Mm -hmm. And then we can say, all right, fine, we can switch it to read-write mode. Right. Which we don't have to. No. So if we thought that we were going to – and, and is, is the idea that uh, <clears throat> if we never allow any writes in Oregon and New York comes back, then we can just – all we have to do is change DNS. We don't have to – uh, we don't have to actually turn off anything in Oregon. We don't have to copy anything back from Oregon to New York because nothing's happened. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the, in the failover scenario, we're assuming New York servers are gone. But you may not know that, right? We may just, they just may appear to be down because let's say that data center is cut off and we have right. no way of finding out, but you know, they might just show up in another minute or they might never come back. Correct. Yeah. The, the idea is we can, we can, we can turn on Oregon and read only mode at kind of a moment's notice right. and get it into read, write pretty fast. I wonder if we so would if do we that were just doing short a... maintenance or something, we could just leave it in read-only if it was, you know, only going to be 10 minutes, we just... Yeah, if there was a 10-minute, either a planned 10-minute maintenance over the weekend. But actually, Kyle, that sort of leads to the fact that our TTLs, do we, like, lower our TTLs every time we think this is going to happen and then raise them? Yeah, we um, dropped them down to five minutes for this because that's how long we thought the SQL would take over. Mm -hmm. um, the DNS server doesn't have any trouble handling um, a lower TTL, but then the problem is for people in other countries, the DNS responses will be slow, and that'll actually be the biggest bottleneck on their uh, oh, okay, on their page loads. So, so we, we could keep it an hour normally. In other words, we in in principle we don't mind having a low TTL. We're happy to take the DNS traffic, but yeah. it just it's just it adds to the latency of people that that are far away. Yeah, because more often they have to say, "Well, recheck what the." Isn't there, I mean, can't you just have a DNS server in every country? Isn't there something you can buy that gives you DNS server in a lot of places? 
Yeah, there, there are services. They um, do tend to be expensive, and then yeah. um, it also can be difficult in terms of management. Yeah, they um, cost more problems than they solve, actually. Yeah, we used to have one, yeah. and something like this would have been more difficult because they didn't really have, at least at the at the time, uh, um, API that would allow us to sort of make these switches easily. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they do now, but... And what are you, are you using anything besides just generic Unix bind for DNS? No. no, there's two bind servers in New York and one in Oregon that are just always running. Right. And so you just go and you edit the zone file and then... Yeah, so for for this, um, I just had a short little script that looked at a table of what to switch it to and what to switch it back and update the serial number and um, TTL and all that sort of stuff. Oh, the um, serial number. I always forget the serial number. Yeah, we got to update that. <laughs> It's like the cause of like 90% of DNS mistakes is you change the, the zone file and you didn't update the serial number. The worst is usually it's like a date if you add an extra digit right. and kind of mess it up, you overflow it, and then you have to intentionally overflow it back to what you want it to be. <laughs> I learned that lesson once. That was kind of painful. Then you have a permanently high serial number. Yeah. Well, you just have to overflow it so it wraps around again, and then you're back where you need to be. But oh, yeah, it's it's a pain. <laughs> But what we want to do going forward is we use Puppet, which allows us to control configuration files um, in multiple areas in more of a scalable way. So for this, we had actually done that for all our HAProxy load balancer configuration. So we can start basically keeping Oregon in sync with New York. Um, so we're not like making changes and manually copying them over, but we basically have the same sort of configuration with just different variables depending on the location. And we want to do a similar thing for DNS, and George is working on the DNS part of that now. Cool. Anything else? Anything else interesting that happened? So presumably we're going to do more tests. Yeah, careers is coming up. That's going to be the next test. Um, we'll have to figure out our monitoring system and a couple more internal systems. And then right now, planned is November 10th is when we'll actually move the data center. So that'll be not the test, but the actual the actual the real move. thing. But you don't want to have another test just with all the little tweaks and fixes just to see if it goes per perfectly smoothly people only like working so many weekends that's what, <laughs> the, what the problem the problem ends up being people's wives only like them working so many weekends yeah actually it's that's more accurate people's <laughs> wives only like them working so many weekends. well you know you could why don't you work this weekend and i'll give you a christmas off or something in exchange <laughs> God, it's way better than last year uh We'll have had two tests, and since it went well, I think we're going to be pretty comfortable with that. We'll probably we might actually do the failover a day before, so we have some time to fix anything before the actual move. And then the new data center itself is going to be pretty exciting. We're getting um, new switching equipment and new networking equipment because we need to do an upgrade there, which is um, some interesting That's stuff. It. So and wait, we must have all all kinds of new gear in Corvallis uh, to make it possible for Corvallis to actually hold mm -hmm. hold up the whole site. Well, I mean, there's some new and there's some recycled. We don't have any idols. There's one idle server, which don't let a dev have access to that. Yeah, it wasn't actually idle this week. It was being used. <laughs> Kevin took it over for uh, ML machine learning training. He, he managed to crash it by overheating. He's using it, it for his homework on that Coursera class. Is Not that homework. The the just uh, we've got the a little internal test. internal challenge within the company to uh, oh. to do some predicting and. He really wanted to win, so he took over the extra server in Oregon. <laughs> pegged all the cores, ran out of memory, and then it mysteriously rebooted. So, the machine ever really be available? Doesn't it just immediately get snapped up by someone if it is? Uh, not a server. They can sit in the data center for a long time. 
So in Oregon, what we did was we had the original Stack Overflow equipment. That's what Chat's been running on for quite a while. The two database servers, uh, one of them runs data.stackexchange, the steady, um, and then the other one ran Chat, and then the four IBM web servers. And those are kind of a pain because there's no remote management. If something happens, oh. <laughs> we call Dalgus, you have them run over and see what went wrong. <laughs> does it, wait, when you say those are the old ones that Jeff built? Yeah. Yes. Those are still alive? They are in Dalgus's no, house. We took them. We took them down now. Oh, okay. So Dalgus kept rack. them for old time's sake. Okay. Hand built by Jeff Atwood. We were gonna, like signed inside. And they everything. are signed inside. We should auction one of them off for for charity. Now that we're a top one hundred website, you can buy one of our original servers signed by Coding Horror himself. How much would you pay for that? Tweet me and put pound hashtag <laughs> IBM server signed by Coding Horror hashtag payday payday. Uh. Minimum reserve, $2,000. Um, so what we did was we replaced, let's see, there's five new web servers. There's two new database servers. Um, one of the, so when we upgraded to SQL, we kind of shuffled around a little bit because you don't want to go without a backup while we're testing. When we up upgraded to SQL 2012, yeah. Right. So there's three new, and it, these are really nice boxes that allow us to expand. There are 720s, plenty of horsepower, 384 gig of RAM, um, and I believe wow. 12 uh, 200 gig Intel 710 drives. So they can take these uh, SSDs we've been criticized a lot for, for low space or, oh, they're going to run out of writes at the same time. Yeah. These things take like two petabytes of writes. They're really endurance. So yeah. that's why we got them. So that's what SO runs Are they actually now. like server class SSDs that are sold for servers? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, you don't really buy them that way because they're really expensive. <laughs> so they, they're like 800 bucks a pop. There's nothing special about them. They just charge extra and say that they're for servers. Like a wedding <laughs> server, just more money. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have those. There's a pair in New York, a primary and a backup, and there's one in Oregon, and they're identical. Um, and that's what runs Stack Overflow in the site's database. And then the old Stack Overflow hardware, formatted, got one additional copy of that for Oregon. And that's what all the other sites now run on, all the other databases. Okay. And then the old, old hardware that the sites was were on, uh, the first pair of database servers in New York, we retasked. One is a VM box and one is a, a service box out in Oregon. And then we have uh, five new web servers out there because the, the IBMs could not handle Stack Overflow's load. We've grown quite a bit. Right, right. We're, we're a top 100 site. Did we mention that? To answer your original question, we are at about a third of the hardware in Oregon that we are in New York. So there's basically we're willing to sacrifice a little performance. And also we're hoping if we fail over to um, Oregon, we're counting on not a whole lot of stuff in Oregon failing when we're failed over there. <laughs> so we have a lot of redundancy yeah. in New York because we'd much rather just fail over a piece of something than fail over everything. You know, one of the problems is that it's hard to get another box. To, to our configuration. So if we actually needed an extra piece of hardware in Oregon while we were there, we could mail it from New York, literally, and get it in 24 hours, which is faster than Doug could get as a replacement. Yes. Well, we have we do have um, better support for our most critical stuff. So in theory, I believe they should be delivering us replacements within four hours. How, but how would they ever do that? You buy, it, you buy it with your server. You buy a maintenance buy this, plan. That yeah, says, I know, but how, do, yeah. how would they ever do that? There's how a would guy they physically Dell following Dalgus around everywhere he goes? <laughs> yeah, but does it have all those he's, SSDs he's and then another 384 gigs of RAM? And well, the SSDs are are we buy separately because Dell doesn't offer what we yeah. want. They do, but they want to shaft you for it. Okay. They want to shaft you for it. Okay. Um, and then memory, yeah, <laughs> they have depots, motto. I believe. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, they do have just depots throughout the country with um, huh. warehouses full of spare things. Hardware, spare things, yeah.
for for the folks that got no for the things we uh we buy we be like we buy the ssds because we save um i think per server when we did the ssds in memory it's a thirty thousand dollar difference that's wow. how much we save by doing it ourselves it's crazy yeah um so we have a couple of extra ssds in both locations and a couple extra memory sticks in both locations okay that works out pretty good we haven't actually had an ssd fail yet we've got a lot of criticism for using them in uh production i mean from some some people love it it's cutting edge we actually haven't had a single one fail in any of our servers hmm. yet now you heard it here first folks they're all gonna fail at the SSDs same time never fail <laughs> that's, the, that's the first line of the movie the the end yeah. line has the meteor and bruce willis is in i don't know that's a good point maybe the monitoring's broken <laughs> that's right they haven't been working we've for never months. known when an ssd has <laughs> failed so far <laughs> All right, so um, we're, we're going to fail over for the sh- for the move. The move will probably take a day, right, to move all the hardware uh, up to a couple days. That's optimistic. yeah, it's a weekend, weekend project. Okay, and then we'll we'll be back on New York, and we'll have Oregon as our failover, and and you know we can fail over every once in a while for Fun. testing purposes. I think we have a, we have an internal audience question for uh, which SSDs yes. are we using? For being asked, uh, Intel seven ten two hundred gigs for the main beefy servers, and then the Intel three twenty. 300 gigs are usually what's in the web tier and the Oregon site server, equal to. Chat's also running on one of those clusters. There you have it. We can fit 24 of these in one of these Dell boxes now. That's the big, that's the main reason we changed hardware, is not the processor. We had plenty. But the old Dell boxes, you're limited to eight drives. So with SSDs, that's that, that pretty much kneecaps your space. Are they, it's like a 2.5 inch form factor, these drives? Mm-hmm. So we've only got 12 in there. We can go up to 24. And actually, like what we're doing, uh, George just finished the order. We're going to put a couple more drives on the side and use that for dev as a dedicated uh, RAID section. And we don't have to – it doesn't affect production at all, but we can get the most out of the box. Wait, what's de- – oh, dev Dev is the, the version of every site that we have uh, just for testing things out and playing around with. Right, and not all developers. of them. We've got about a half dozen or so. So like dev.stackoflow.com looks like Stack Overflow when you go the there. secret. Right. What? I think they would have figured that out. All right, we'll edit this out in post. No, it's not really a secret. <laughs> Don't, There's you know, one guy who gets in there every couple of weeks, and we have to go ban him again. Oh, you, you mean it's actually open to the public? You and could go on there and log on. Here's how he does it. Well, it's not supposed to be. But... Oh. But, but, I mean, all he's doing is making a bunch of changes that are just going to get overwritten at some point and don't really matter because it's not yeah. on the real site. He just edits every question on the homepage. He goes, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. It's not really doing anything malicious. So. This is, you know what this is like? What was that <laughs> Stephen King movie, The Langoliers? Did y'all see that? Oh, that movie. Where there's... That was the that was worst TV, movie ever. It? Yeah. So... <laughs> that was... the runway at the end? Yes. Yes. No, okay. <laughs> yes, there you go. Well, what happens is that they're <laughs> on a, seen it. a transcontinental flight, and they somehow get into this alternate universe that doesn't have any people in it. Yeah. Which is just like the leftover universe that's now dead. There's no other people there. And they're trying to figure out how to get back to their universe where all the people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they eat a runway. No, no the Langoliers come and eat the. the you you got to see the movie. The it's, movie you got to watch it because it, like it's like anymore. it's like six hours long. It's on TV. You'll be watching it some weekend. It's yeah. actually pretty good for the first like four it has hours. Bulky. And then you get to like <laughs> see, now the last. I'm interested. It you has get, Balky from you know you get the cousin, towards the end, cousins. and then suddenly the Langoliers actually like come Those on are camera. Scary. They at, are scary. No, hell, even though they're cartoons, they're not. They're <laughs> ridiculous looking. They they're have like a million teeth. Bad. 1990s CGI alert. like drawn with a crayon million on the film. Teeth. 
Sorry, question. Why do I want to watch this? You don't. It's terrible. But that's exactly what being on dev.stackoflow is like. You're just like you're walking around. Oh, and there's I see all the this, You're like in this world. The Langoliers are coming. But there's no people there because this is like you have accidentally landed. Like Bizarro World. Yes, yeah, without yeah. the people. And then the Langoliers come like, and eat Where you. did all the people go? And then you realize that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is like that. Except so go you watch can see secret movie. new features, which is why maybe you'd want to see um, it. Uh, check. We, uh, there's not that many secret new. <laughs> no, we tend to roll them out pretty fast. Now, um, when we fail over to Oregon, and, and we are, uh, this is going to be another one of my smooth segues. When, <laughs> when we do fail over to Oregon, um, the moderators come with us, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what mods love? Stephen King movies. They, they <laughs> love them. They love them. So this is a logical. A logical breaking point. Um, too bad we don't have ads. Alex, why don't you steal some ads? So then we could play an ad. Um, I'll, I'll do an ad right now. Sprite Zero I is like amazing. Danny is no caffeine for selling it. No sugar, yep. no calories. Carol servers, they follow you around, but then they shaft you. <laughs> do an ad for our latest, uh, our latest site. When we come back, oh yeah, our latest site. Wondering I, where you came from. Ask patents. Genealogy. Oh, that's what. Gene Wondering means what our latest list. site is. What that was. Visit stackexchange.com. So yeah, so we've we've got a we've got we've got a we've got a new genealogy site live, and I think um, one of the most interesting, I don't know, it's interesting to me because I was so wrong, and that that's like this unique circumstance that is fascinating and rare. And uh, but genealogy was one of these sites I think we were looking at, and we we weren't uh, maybe as confident as we always are about what what it's going to look like. Is it really going to be a topic with good complex questions? It's going to work, and um, you know, part of it was even even in discussing the. Uh, the naming there was kind of this i can't even spell it where does g-e-n-e perhaps it's not for you joel a-l gene really a-l-o-g-y yeah it's not what you think start with gene wilder genealogy take off the wilder it's less wild it's not as much wilder okay genealogy uh site uh so it's doing well jay is that what you're saying i I think so i mean the thing i'd i'd jump out is is i think it's one of those where it's thick you know, initially when we were talking about it, there was this question, and and the, the, even the name had sort of people who are inter- people who are interested in in their family history. We kind of were sure. wringing our hands and going, "Who isn't interested in that? That's not a community. That's not." And I kept saying, "No, you don't get it." But so there, there was this question of, you know, it, I think for and again, it goes to people outside our communities often don't understand the communities. That's what makes them communities, right? Is that 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 sort of uh, focus? And so we were looking at it and wondering, are there really complex questions? And I think there's been great activity. And there's interesting questions like, you know, there's discussions about one one of the first ones we saw in the first couple of days was people were charting out their their families and they they track these histories visually was how do I handle describing gender reassignment surgery where you have sort of this event that is the birth that, you know, is the birth of a son, say, but then currently you've got a grandmother or an aunt or somebody who is no longer, you know, male. And and so there's questions common. It's common. It's common enough. And there's think, a lot of sort of. Uh, there's a lot of things that the first version of genealogy programs would get stuck with, like people marrying their children, etc. It's <laughs> just like I'm sorry, but that seems to be what the historical more record branches. shows. We want more branches. <laughs> it's not not that not that we approve of it, but that 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 if we can't enter it into the software, that's why you need to go back in time and change it to yeah. Um, but you know, th- then there was questions where people were saying the you know the records they'd found were a British naval official record of what someone did there and they're trying to figure out from that how to drill deeper and learn you know where the person was assigned to fill in kind of these where, where ancestors live. right and other people are responding well you know i didn't serve in the british but i was in the australian navy and i can speak to the records are very similar if you go here i mean there's some pretty really i think cool esoteric deep questions I and mean, we seem to be seeing i think a good strong community growing so. it does uh, i mean it is a new site but it is uh, getting a lot of traffic for a site this young 
Cool. But yeah. And then we've got one more that's on the verge. Gene A. Gene Logie. A. Um, robotics is, is I think, uh, j- just the commitment stage is coming to an end. They've got, they've got a whole bunch of committers. I think we're going to see that uh, launch into private beta very soon. So that's coming soon. Yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll look back on that someday when Skynet becomes self-aware as the beginning of the end. Excellent. They're, they're going live uh, in the very near future. Does um, these sites have moderators? <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> it's funny you should ask about moderators because they love Bruce Willis movies with <laughs> meteors in Oregon. Um, I may be getting the segue thing wrong. Uh, these sites do not yet have moderators, so no. We had uh, so I'll, let me introduce my segue. my segue that I'm trying to do here, which is that uh, um, we have now probably the well, last last time I asked it was 275 moderators, but it's probably more than that. Um, but but it is a lot, and and um, and and we've started to address the problem of uh, uh, of the possibility of a moderator who's uh, um, shall we say whose whose who's moderation actions are sort of inconsistent with the desire of the community or the other moderators on the team. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'd almost step back for a second and say I think one, one of the things that we've been thinking about is is elections, right? That we you talked before on the podcast and belabor the election notion, but I, I still th- I think we're still the only major website. I googled it yesterday. Um, where mods are elected, right? Most of the most of the big sites that have moderation, that people on Reddit, et cetera, there's sort of a, people apply and they're they're appointed basically by the company. Right. Um, and we have these elections. I think it's it's, yeah. it's actually pretty awesome. And there's a you know real process. And people talk about why they want to be mods and what their positions are. And there's live events. People ask questions and um, and it's this phenomenally democratic process. It goes back to that you know our communities really do in many ways define most of how the site and their community their site is run. Right. Um, and so you know when we have we don't have a lot of, and our mods are actually pretty awesome, as I think both the result of the quality of the community and the community picks them. And generally speaking, I think the challenges in the past, we get user complaints all the time. Um, and often it's, you know, this mod's mean and they suspended me because I broke all the rules and that sucks and they shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, m- much of the time the, the answer yeah. is, well, you know, it's frustrating and I just know how things work, yada, yada. And so essentially w- w- one truism is although people do complain about moderators, 99% of those complaints are incorrect. They are. And when they are correct, I think, um, you know, it's like anything else that, that has a kind of a organic evolution is, is they, they fix themselves quickly. As we reach out to the model and we go, you know, this actually seems like a fair point. Like, I know you're going for, but they're, I think they were actually trying to do something good here and they weren't actually breaking this rule, whatever it was. You know, a good dumb example is there's, there's fuzzier lines about, you know, kind of how much interfering with content we're going to do on a user's profile page. That's a good example of where People put things in their profile page that we would never permit on the main site. Right. But if they're not truly offensive, hate speech, et cetera, we tend to give people a wider berth, kind of their personal spot. And where a mod might be trying to do the right thing and edit out something offensive and someone will complain, we'll go back and go, you know what? That's probably not over the line for yeah. that page or whatever it is. And in those scenarios- you could put, Would it be okay to put binders of women on your- uh... bi- Binders of women? Yeah. I, what's a binder uh, of women? It's a meme is what it is. Oh, I, I, I missed Do you it. not Sorry, internet? I was in the elections. I, I, were, uh... you, were, were you offline yesterday? <laughs> Oh, oh, this is like a political thing? Mitt Romney said I don't that like, in the debate. I don't like the news the or debate. the politics or the president or the other guy who wants to be the president. I, yeah. It's, it's not, no. Not your thing. No. Mitt Romney's the, 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 the hand, tall, handsome fellow with the... That's right. Matter. It doesn't matter. He's got binders full of women. That's so the point. So we have 301... No, not binders full of women. We have 301 moderators. We got an answer. 301 moderators. But anyway, so, so when our mods, and the rare occasions where the complaints are valid, what we usually get is a mod who goes back in and says, you know what, we've been talking about this, and I think actually this was the wrong action, and I want to fix it. Um, the mod's course correct, and the, there's actually, there's a, there's a phenomenal collaboration, um, probably even less important than us, is the mods work together both within a site, obviously, and we actually even have chat rooms that are for mods that had this situation, you know, what would you do here, how do I handle this, and there's, there's great interaction, kind of teaching there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually call it the teacher's room. 
Um, but what ha but over time, one of the things that struck us is we, we don't really have a great process for what would happen if we had a mod. Our mods are we don't have re elections right now. We've talked about this before and you know, you lose some experience. It's a complex question of whether you don't want people also to be we kinda want our mods to function in their approach more like say a Supreme Court justice than say a member of Congress and they right. think about situations where people feel like they're running because they have a job that is right. They don't apparently... you don't you want them to do the right thing, not the popular right. thing. You um, want them to feel like they have tenure. Right. And I think well, a little we, bit, you know, like at a university, should it be dictator for life? I don't know. Maybe we should put long, long limits. But anyway, we've talked about limits in the past and we don't have any because we're concerned about some of the things it might cause right now. So the question comes up is what, what if we did get a situation where, you know, a mod goes wildly off the reservation, goes crazy and develops, uh, they're hit by a meteor. And as a result, their behavior gets wildly different. Um, and what we wanted to do is really get to a place where it's not one of these, well, we're going to decide that when that happens, we will pluck them out and remove them and would still do that if it was an emergency and they were, you know, running rampant on the site. There was chaos instantly. But I think right. the notion is we've built this sort of beautiful democracy uh, of sorts. Um, Alex, make that sound either more or less inspirational. I think I'm right in the middle there. And, you know, we don't want to have as a situation where then, you know, it, it, the sense is the, that someone could get elected and then we'll go, nah, we don't like that. We're going to get rid of them. We wanted to make sure that the process to reconsider a mod at some point is, I think, similarly community-driven um, as the one that puts them in power. Um, and so we did what we usually do, um, or we try to do, when we're trying to figure stuff out uh, about the community, and we kind of put out a question saying, hey, we want to figure out a way to do this, and we solicited a lot of input, and we got, um, I think, a lot of good feedback from mods and from regular users on Meta. So now we're trying to put that together and figure out what the best course of action is. Okay. So, Rogue Moderator... There's, there's a plan. Summarily executed was the answer we came up with, and we're going to go with it. Mm. I, uh, I think, I think that the, the plan was that the other mods, or actually all the mods would meet, and there would be a vote. Yeah, so I think... But right... it would be of the mods, of the democratically elected mods. It, it, it's really not... I mean, I mean, the most important thing here is that, you know, we sort of decided this is not going to be stack exchange the company decides that you as a moderator are not working, because that's, A, not scalable, and B, does not actually show any attempt to reflect the wishes of the community uh, in any way, shape, or form. Yep. And uh, we also certainly decided that it's not like there's going to be a recall election, God forbid, because that just creates a gigantic, stressful... Uh, horrible for the site. Horrible for the site. It's yes. hard to get right. I was going to say shit show. I, I don't know shit, if this shit is... Shit show. Shit yes. show is the, the technical. Yeah. But I think one, one of the real challenges, too, is it's hard if you, if you require a huge number of site participants to vote in something of this sort, aside from poisoning the whole site, yeah. it's hard to get enough. Really and you can't get that you don't, a lot of times it's based on information that you don't want to be made public because it's right. private information about moderator decisions. Right. And if you let it be a small number of complaints that could just do it, the problem you've got then is, you know, the, the, the correctly, you know, people get suspended once in a while for really bad behavior and stuff. You don't want a handful of disgruntled bad actors to be able to not even necessarily take down a mod, but create a scenario where they can really make a mod's job difficult for life. We don't want mods yeah. walking on eggshells because of the process. Yeah. Um, and I think the... The beauty of this this sort of mod solution we're heading towards is that the mods are very good. I think they're all invested in the site. They really care about. I wonder it. how you remove a Supreme Court justice. Hmm. Is there any provision question. for removing a Supreme Court justice? Yes, they can be impeached. By who? By Congress. Really? Wait. What about separation of? It's an incredible. We're looking high on bar. Wikipedia. Supreme Court. Yeah. Hey, Alex got that right. Yeah, I think that's true. It just takes a it, large it's, it's majority. It's an incredibly it's high bar. I once. mean, it's a similar bar to amending the Constitution. Yeah. 
Someone pointed out they can also die is also an effective way for them to be removed from this. Kev Kevin Montrose, I think, nailed the second way a Supreme Court justice can be removed from power. Uh, that actually, that, that yes. statement is probably going to get us all investigated tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> We're on a it's list. all right. We can't use this podcast anyway. It's... <laughs> There we go. Right. We're three out of four for offenses. Samuel Chase. Samuel <laughs> oh, Chase was impeached by the House, but not removed by the Senate. Yeah. So, so, so impeachment just 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 removes his, his immunity and allows him to be tried by the, by the Senate. process. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, bottom line, if, if things go wrong, um, this is going to have to be a decision taken by sort of a supermajority of uh, other moderators. It's going to be Democratic. It's not really up to us. I think we've abdicated. Or, there, there isn't a, a sense that. That the that the Stack Exchange Corporation or that the community members that Stack Exchange pays are the right people to be making those calls that when their judgment calls. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's right. Other it's, than an emergency where they will exactly. certainly take action to prevent you know harm that cannot be un, un, undone later. Yep. Uh, okay, that's about moderators checking that off. And last we have Gene, but I don't know who that is Gene Kelly, the dancer. It it it's. Seems possible that was before you knew how to spell genealogy and you just stopped where you ran out of confidence. I'm <laughs> guessing. I, I don't know. That might be what happened. Uh, anything else, David, Kyle, Nick, any last minute comments? No, we've, we've offended enough. All right. Tune in next time for podcast number 35 when we have special guest star Scott Hanselman. Yeah. Right? Can I, Alex, can I say that with confidence? Yes. And uh, in the meantime, see you next week. See ya. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. See, we had not enough Smurfs when we were live. The Smurfs do not make software for tracking down your ancestors and converting them. I'm, I'm sorry. Do you have a citation of some sort for that? Because I do not, I will I do not know that. that to be true. Yes.